Well, I went away this past week on a prayer retreat. I just want time to, to stop, stop the world and get off and get preached to. Uh, I was with four other pastors some of the time. Sometime I was alone. Uh, a whole variety of things. I, I, I don't like prayer. And let me just throw that right out there. I don't like prayer. I love Jesus. I love spending time with him. But I'm not good at this prayer thing, and I've never really liked it. And I've told him that. And I, I have a kind of open relationship where I could say that to him and not feel that anvils are going to fall out of the sky on my head. He doesn't like it either. This whole thing of this invisible relationship where we don't see him, he doesn't see us, isn't what he's shooting for. What he's shooting for is a day when we can sit in his chair face to face and we can talk to him anytime and he can talk to us and we'll be somewhere working in heaven. There are jobs in heaven. You'll be, you'll be working somewhere in heaven uh, doing what fulfills you most and your name will be called and, and it'll be him calling you and you'll leave your work and you'll uh, go down one street and cross over a bridge and go down another street and go into a place that's so vast it's so beautiful, and there will be your heavenly Father, and, and he will invite you to sit down in his chair with him face-to-face -to, -face to talk, which is what we call prayer. This whole thing of prayer and the, the discipline of prayer and all that is not easy for me. It's never been easy, but when I first started out, I was committed to it. I, I didn't know Jesus. I wasn't raised in a Christian home, so... So I would spend time just talking with him and trying to find things to share and try to find things that I'm, I could talk over with him. And sometimes there'd be big, long periods of silence where there really wasn't much to say. I didn't know that those times were valid. I, I invalidated them because I thought there had to be a lot of talking. But just to sit and have this place of kind of communion without talking was a little weird for me. Now, it's one of my favorite things. And I realize there's a transformation. There's an exchange of heart. There's something that takes place that's beyond words. And the, the deeper level of, of prayer is in silence for me. I would discipline myself, and I'd get up, and I would do an hour a day in the morning before I went to bed at night, even though sometimes I'd have crawled in bed and I have to get out again and go, go kneel on the, on the cold floor. And I had to do it kneeling. I just felt that was, Jesus was so awesome. I had to do it kneeling. And I would spend another hour before I closed out the day. And if I got in bed before, I'd make myself get out of bed. And so I did that. And plus, I would have lunch hour prayers. I had different, different kinds of prayer. And, but here's the thing. I never felt ever, that I ever prayed enough. I always felt like no matter how much I prayed, it wasn't enough. And I, I lived under a lot of condemnation. And anything that I did, if, if I spent a whole drive making up songs and singing to the Lord, if I spent a whole drive, part of that time is singing in tongues and, and praying in tongues, and, I, and a whole period of time where uh, I... For example, these days, I don't sleep the whole night hardly ever anymore. I think I've had one full night's sleep in the past couple of years. I'm, I wake up, 
I've got an alarm clock in my bladder that sets off around three o'clock, and so as you get older, you'll know, you'll you'll figure this stuff out. But but um, I would just find myself uh, staying up. That's a very creative time, a very um, uh, alert time for me, and just and I just love standing in the moonlight and just thanking the Lord and just going over my heart. We just want to spend time thanking with Him. But if I didn't get the hour in the morning, that time in the moonlight was not valid. It didn't count in my condemnation thinking. For many of us, the most amount of prayer that you do in any given week happens here on Sunday. There's lots of people who go through the whole week and don't spend any time in prayer. Lots of, lots of Christians do that. And uh, I, I don't want to discourage you, and I don't want to lay heavy on you. And that's, that's not my goal. If I did that to you, I, I, it would have to come back to me. So I don't want to do that. But here's what I think happens. I think there's times when my heart goes off in gratitude, and there's these times where there's just sweet nothings, where I just say, Lord, I just want to tell you how much I love you and I appreciate you. And, and, and it's, it's prayer, but it's not the hour on my knees kind of prayer. There's times where I, I make up songs as I drive, and I just, if you listened in, they're horrible. The, the melodies, they don't rhyme. Uh, the melodies aren't good. And sometimes I find this sweet spot where everything's cooking, but very rarely do I get there. But if I don't spend that hour every morning in prayer, kind of like that, 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 that kind of thing doesn't count. And... Uh, there's lots of times where my heart is just full of gratitude and, and uh, or, or I'll, um, I often get prayer requests. Uh, almost every day I'll get a prayer request from someone. And so I, I've gotten into this, this habit. If someone asks me to pray for them and I feel I can sign on, I pray for them. I, I, it's a matter of integrity for me. I'm not going to say I'm going to pray for you if I don't. And so uh, the way I... Seal the deal oftentimes is I'll say, Lord, every time you bring them to my mind, I'll pray for them. And so anytime uh, throughout my day, many times a day, somebody will come to my mind, somebody or some condition. And, and so I'll just stop right where I'm at and I'll say, Lord, I just want to bring so-and-so before you. And I might, be, I might be working on something. I might be doing something or mowing it doesn't matter what I'm doing. They'll come to my mind, and I'll, uh, it's, a, it's an integrity issue. I'll, I'll stop and pray for them. But if I don't get the hour every day in the morning, that doesn't count. You see where I'm going with this? It's almost like, like unless, unless you have that hour consistently, uh, no other prayer counts, I went out to Colorado Springs to this conference, and, and I'd asked the Lord about that. Before I left, I said, Lord, I, I'm just struggling with this whole thing with prayer again. Would you rewire me? Would you use this week to reset my prayer heart toward you? I, I wasn't satisfied. just felt kind of beat up in my prayer life. Bill Johnson gets out on the stage, and he starts talking about him struggling with prayer. And he says, you know, that he, he his 3 o'clock in the morning... Uh, uh, thing is, is for him just to express gratitude to the Lord. And I'm listening to him because that's what I do. I do that almost every night. 
And he's talking about doing that and just having these moments with the Lord. And he says, you know, but I feel like it's all uh, a waste. It's almost like it doesn't count. And, and he's saying this. I'm listening because I've been talking to the Lord about that very thing. And here's Bill Johnson, probably the most influential Christian in, in, the, in the kingdom, at least in our circles of, at, at this time. Uh, someone that everyone respects him for spirituality. And, and he says that whole hour thing is a struggle for him. How freeing was that to my head? Just because just to hear someone else say it was freeing for me. Now, here's, here's what I want to go with this sermon. I, I don't want to discount uh, times of really bellying down and really praying some stuff through. There's times when nothing else will do. But if you sang a song today and you believe what you're singing, that is prayer. Then you took some time to pray for each other. That is real prayer. That all counts. There's no, there's no prayer docket, no, no clock on the side. There's no time chart that, that validates. But cha-ching, okay, I just, that one counted. That one worked. I just thought we'd just take some time in these next phase of our lives as we're going into our summer because I want us to have a spiritual summer. I'd like to just t- t- talk about prayer and, and, and work at this whole thing. So can we go together? You go with me where I'm going, and, and uh, we'll all go together in this whole thing. In Mark chapter 4, verse 18, the, the, Jesus gives the parable of the sower. And you know the parable, probably. Everyone's heard it or read it. It's a master parable from which we learn a lot of other parables. But anyway, uh, the disciples came to him after he laid out this amazing parable and he, they go behind the curtain, so to speak, and they say, we don't get it. Tell us what you mean. And that's a real clue about praying because Jesus doesn't say uh, no. He just answers their prayer. Anytime they went to him and said, we need to understand what you're saying, he just said, okay. And he went through it, and he just went through every piece of it and explained it to him. And that's one of the great privileges of prayer, that you can ask Jesus anything. You can ask Jesus anything. He wants to answer. He doesn't even hesitate with these disciples. In fact, one of the things I'd like you to do this morning, uh, I'd like you to think about something that you can ask the Lord in prayer. You can actually ask him a question and believe that before this week is out, he'll answer your question. I want you to try it. It's exhilarating when, when you realize, I prayed that, and he's answering my, what I prayed. It's a powerful, powerful thing. So he answers their question, but here's what he says. He talks about uh, the, the seed being choked out. Look at verse 18. Now, those that are sown among the thorns are those who hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of, of riches... And the desires of other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. I think it also chokes out prayer. These three things will snuff out your spiritual life. I think stress, the anxieties, uh, all the worries of life, they will, they will either stop you from praying, or they can be used to fuel your prayer. Every time you hit with worry, you say, I'm going to pray about that. I'm going to bring that to Jesus, and I'm going to leave that with him. 
But oftentimes it chokes the word, but it also chokes out our time with him in prayer. How, let me just ask this question before we move on. How many would pray a whole lot more if Jesus was sitting there in person? Like if you could see him and you could go in and share your heart and share your struggles and marriage conflicts and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, we would just be praying. Listen, we'd be praying all the time. We could hardly get any work done because we would just want to be sitting in his glorious presence. And so part of, part of what keeps us from spending time with Jesus and spending time having that kind of experience is, is all these three things. That there's anxieties. There's, there's, it's not, it's, I don't know anyone here that wants to be super rich or anything like that at all. But the more stuff you have, the less there is of you. The more stuff you have, the more there is to maintain. And we spend a lot of time maintaining our junk because our lives are just so full. And, and so that's a, it's an inhibitor to prayer. Well, there's just so much to do. I've got so much. i got to do this. i got to maintain this. i got to clean this. i got to work at this. And it's an inhibitor to prayer. Then there's the lust of other things, other pleasures coming in. I think... I think um, it's conceivable that this generation is struggling more than other generations. You know, normally, like my grandparents' generation, I remember parts of that. I remember staying with them. When it got dark, they went to bed. And they got up really early in the morning. But when it got dark, there's really nothing else to do. And so they went to bed. They, they, uh, I, I saw that happen so often. And for us, we've got Netflix and sports and just 500 channels streaming into our houses. And how many of you honestly say that 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 your prayer time has gone down as those things have increased? If you if you're honest and admit that, that I mean that that could show you that something else is crowding it in. Uh, how many would say that you're reading less these days? used to be that the way you'd pass the evening would be quietness and curled up in a chair or got your quilt out and you'd get in a corner of the couch and you'd snuggle up to a book. Well, it's just so easy to flip on a series or flip on something that you want to watch. And it's a lot easier to watch something than it is to read. And I think it's working against us. That it's just, it's, it's, it's taking, it's crowding out uh, these subtle things. Taking time throughout the day to stop and express gratitude to the Lord. You're standing at your kitchen sink, and you stand there and you say, "Lord, I just want to." S and you got your pictures of your family in front of you, and you got little reminders in front of the kitchen sink. And to use those moments to express your heart to the Lord—that's real prayer. That counts. He loves that. They're sweet nothings. He wants you to do that. He wants you to, when you hear a need, that you stop in the moment and you really pray for that person or you pass an accident on the road. I rarely pass an accident on the road where I really just don't go after that in prayer and really do some intercession around that. Uh, I just feel that's, that's, if I'm seeing it, that's what I'm supposed to do. Those are real moments of prayer. They, we can't discount them, no matter whether you had your hour in the morning or not. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, talking about this whole thing with prayer and feeling like our lives are so full, we don't have time, we're too tired, we're too, 
Uh, we've got so many things to do, we don't have time to pray. And then there's something on that we wanted to watch, which is a lot more easy. It's easier than prayer. All of that's real. And then someone comes along and they teach us, uh, teaches us, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, teaches us about praying without ceasing. It's almost like, oh, that's the last sermon I want to hear, this praying without ceasing business. And... Um, Paul's writing this to brand new Christians. I mean, they are weeks old. And he had to flee them, and he had to go to another place, and he had to flee that place. And finally, he gets to a place where he can write this letter to them. So they're brand new Christians. And he writes to them. And chapter 5 is almost like bullet point form. He's trying to say all the things that are really important for them to survive living without a pastor and living without him being there. So one of the things he says in verse 16, he says, Rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Verse 18, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. He goes on 19, quenching the spirit and despising prophecies. So, I mean, the whole thing is really a bullet point form, almost like he's trying to get everything in. But this praying without ceasing, uh, I've never heard this pray, uh, sermon on praying without ceasing. wasn't adding condemnation to my already miserable feelings about my prayer life. So I avoid this whole thing about praying without ceasing. But when I asked the Lord about it, I said, Lord, I, I don't understand what it's talking about here, but it seems heavy. It seems like you're saying that every waking moment I must be praying. In fact, uh, Amish people, the ladies will wear a covering and the reason they wear it in the fields and they wear it in the market and they wear it everywhere is because they're supposed to be praying without ceasing and they have to have their head covered with that piece of cloth. And so uh, you can tell that they're praying without ceasing because they're wearing the cloth. The men are supposed to take their hats off when they pray, the Amish, because uh, of the way they read 1 Corinthians 11. But you see them in the field with their hats on. They're supposed to take it off when they pray. So that means that the women are praying without ceasing, but the men aren't. They wouldn't like to hear me say that. But that's what it looks like. This praying without ceasing isn't 24-7. It's not every waking moment. It's, there's Catholic people. There's religious people. There's all kinds of people who've tried to come under this and literally try to pray every waking moment, and it kind of drives them crazy. Luther was really hung up on this. He was trying to do it. He couldn't do it. He's living in a monastery. He doesn't even have lawn to mow. He doesn't have anything to fix, and, and uh, he can't hardly do it. I mean, he's struggling trying to do this praying without ceasing business. Here's how I understand it. Let's, let's go to uh, um, chapter 3. Let's go back a couple chapters. Chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. He says, um, for what thanks, verse 9, for what thanks... Can we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for you, your sake before God, night and day, praying exceedingly, that we may see your face again and perfect that which is lacking. So every time, every time the Thessalonians came to Paul's mind, he not only thanked the Lord, he went to work at praying for them. And now let's go um, to Philippians. So Philippians chapter 1, you can go back a couple of places. Philippians chapter 1, look at verse 3 to 6. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, 
always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you, for you all with joy. So every remembrance for you. And Paul writes to Timothy, there's another one in the second Timothy, where he writes to Timothy, he says, he says I, every remembrance, I thank God for every remembrance of you. I think the praying without ceasing is this, that we'll be able to look people in the eye and say, I prayed for you without ceasing. Because every time you came to my mind, I stopped and I prayed for you. That's praying without ceasing. In all these years of me working at this whole prayer business, that's where I've come out. It's not 24-7. It's not every waking moment. It's every remembrance. Every remembrance. I pray for many of you. When you come to my mind, when, it, when, when I see your face in my, in my, with the eyes of my heart, I'll stop what I'm doing and I'll take time and I'll pray for you. Then I can honestly say I pray for you without ceasing. And it doesn't come out of a religious have to. It comes out of a joy. It comes out of a desire. I long to see you come complete in all the things that God has for you. And so when you come to my mind, I pray for you. If you don't come to my mind, I don't sweat it. I don't, I don't beat myself up for not having prayed because part of it is anytime it comes to my mind, that's, that tells me that I need to pray. And it's a powerful way. But if you're thinking that only one hour of prayer every morning, that's the only thing that really counts, and God's got this kind of a time chart on the side of his throne, and, and, and if you don't pray the hour he looks at, he says, how far did he get? He says, 48 minutes. Uh, don't give him what he's asking for. It's got to be that hour. It's got to be an hour. There's, there's something in our thinking that we're on some kind of time clock. I think, I think if you never prayed the hour, and I'm not giving you permission, I'm just telling you, that if you never prayed the hour in the morning or hour somewhere during the day, if you never got that place, the sweet nothings at the kitchen sink, the time when you acknowledge him in, in say, Lord, I'm, I want to purchase this. This is something you want me to do. And you acknowledge him in all your ways. That counts. And the times that you just sing a song to the Lord at home, Without a worship band, that counts. Or without a CD, that counts. That's valid. That's, that, he hears you. He delights in that. It moves his heart. In the same way that when your little children come up and they say they're busy and they're playing and they say, Daddy, I just want to tell you that I love you, and they give you that hug and they go off to play. Are you saying that doesn't count? Unless they, unless they sit in your lap and spend an hour in your lap? No, I, that's valid. That's, those sweet nothings are sweet. It's the same in a relationship with a husband and wife. I mean, uh, just to say you love each other throughout the day is one thing. Then there's times when you just really need to actually stop and, 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 and work at that and ensure each other of your love. But there's those sweet nothings where you just hug, hug in the middle of the kitchen. That counts. That counts. That makes your marriage sweet. Powerful, powerful thing. Ephesians chapter 6. You don't have to turn there. You know this section of Scripture. Verses 17 and 18. And maybe Keturah will put it up behind me. But Paul's writing to Gentiles. He says, I'm leaving you alone. I'm leaving you among the Gentiles. This idle, idol-filled land. I'm leaving you there. And here's your protection. It's you walking in righteousness. It's you walking in faith. It's you walking where the Holy Spirit threads you like a needle and comes through your mouth. It's 
you walking in the gospel of peace and having reconciliation. It's you with a helmet of salvation, understanding how you're saved and why you're saved, what God will do, what the enemy can't do. All of that is part of the armor of God. And then he does this little semicolon. And I don't know a lot about colons and semicolons. I just sprinkle them everywhere when I'm writing. But I have learned, I have learned that, that it's not the end of the sentence. And so in the King James Bible, New King James, at the end of when he's talking about the armor of God, he puts in this semicolon and he, and he talks about um, going, continuing in prayer, all kinds of prayer. So he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. That's all different kinds of prayer. It's part of our weaponry. It's part of our armor. It's part of it's part of how God has outfitted us to win this war that we're in. Prayer is part of it. Par prayer, I've heard the armor of God teaching done throughout the years, and they, uh, they never finish it with prayer. It's always about the sword of the spirit or the, the feet being clothed with the gospel of peace, but they don't always end it with prayer. But prayer is part of the armor of God. The enemy does not want you to pray. He wants you to be without that piece of equipment. He wants to have you. And so there's something inside that says, okay, that prayer is at risk. Prayer is under attack. The enemy does not want me to walk in prayer. God wants me to walk in prayer because it's part of the armor of God. But the enemy, there's a war on for you and I so that we don't ever pray. And so there's times where you have to stop the world. There are times, yeah that the little I love you's won't do it. You're going to have to belly down. You're going to have to sh shut things off. You're going to have to sequester yourself. Find some lonely place. Find some place where you can just spend a, a whole period of time just flushing your heart in prayers. You have to do that. You have to find places to do that. If that doesn't happen every day, what you are doing is valid. It counts. Amen? Colossians chapter 4, Paul, uh, Paul wrote the, the Colossians in chapter 4, verses uh, 2 to 4. And one of the things he says to him, he says, continue, continue in prayer. Uh, chapter 4, verses 2, I got it backwards, chapter 4, verses 2. Yeah, here it is here. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant with all thanksgiving. Meanwhile, also praying for us. I need your prayers. As your pastor, I need your prayers. I wish you would pray for all of your pastors regularly. Anytime we come to, come to your mind, uh, very, very important. Paul was banking on people's prayer. But he writes to these new Christians. He says, continue in prayer. Uh, don't quit. Stay with it. Stay with it. Don't quit. It sometimes doesn't feel like I'm, I've gotten anywhere in prayer. Even when I take time, it doesn't feel like it's very effective. It doesn't feel like anything much is happening. And that's the faith part of it. But he says, no, stick with it. Don't quit. Stay with it. Looking to the Lord with thanksgiving for every little sign that he's answering your prayers, that he's hearing you. And that's what he's writing to first century Christians. Do you know why? Because they struggled in prayer. They felt like quitting. Prayer was not easy for them. 
Prayer is not easy for us. This prayer business of, of the work of prayer is not easy to do. But he wants you to keep trying. He wants you to keep working at it. How many are interested in saying, okay, my, my prayer life is not what it has been or what it could be. But I want a summer, I want a spiritual summer. I want God to re, recalibrate my heart toward prayer. I want God to do an, a fresh thing in me concerning prayer. How many are interested in signing on for that? Then let's pray. Let's ask him. Let's invite him. Why don't you do this? Why don't you close your eyes? And why don't you begin with honesty? Say, Lord, this prayer business is hard for me. I don't even like it. It's just so much easier just to watch something on television than to spend time with you in prayer. But Lord, I'm asking for you to do something fresh in me in this area of prayer. Make it come alive for me. Help me to get into it with fresh incentive, fresh motivation. I don't know how to get there. And my life is so full, and sometimes I'm so tired. But Lord, I'm asking that you renew this whole area of prayer in my life. However you want to do it. Take me there. I want a summer of having a heart connection with you. I want to move your heart, and I want you to move my heart. And I invite you to renew my prayer life in the name of Jesus. Amen.